0: Hello and welcome to the Strong and Courageous podcast. I am your host, your coach. My name is Nicole Devensonis. It's awesome to have you here with us. Can we talk about you for a little bit? In today's topic, we're actually going to be honing in on the ladies and making a very important distinction. The the topic for today, we're talking on the distinction between being a strong woman versus a woman of strength. Now I know if you are here on this podcast, perhaps you're even a member of our Women of Strength membership site and coaching programs. We know a few things about you. Good things, okay? First of all, that you are a woman who has goals and aspirations and dreams, both for yourself personally, probably for your family, And if you are so inclined to look outside of that little nugget is levels of contribution, whether it be to your neighborhood, to a community, and obviously your country and probably the world. So you can take it obviously, you know, as big as you want to. But when it comes down to you as an individual, um, I firmly believe every day, that you get to wake up it's a gift to you you have the opportunity to decide on who it is you want to become now there's some people who may argue that point and say this is how I am this is how you know God made me or this is and what happens you'll learn very quickly with me I'm very 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 tight on guardianship of the words that you speak and the words that you enter to entertain inside of your head so if you hear hesitation in my voice I want to be sure that I'm coaching you on all facets so that your your transition and ultimately your transformation happens a lot quicker and what I'm thinking is that it's very simple and it's very common for any person to place themselves in really what is a victimhood or like a subject to or submissive position meaning you are where you are because of all the other things that are outside of you because of your situation because of your circumstances because of this person because of you know the the economy or this that and the other and what happens when you take that path now i'm not dismissing that stuff has happened okay stuff has happened to all of us know from the get-go this is a strong and courageous podcast and coaching is where you come when you're ready to move your ship forward And I said ship with a P because one of the things I'm working on is curbing my language. (laughs) Yes, I know it's hard. I'm just like you, okay? I get to a point where sometimes I just, like you're so frustrated and you have one of two choices. You're either going to cry or you can say a swear word. And so (laughs) I'm working on increasing my capacity so that I'm not swearing anymore. But anyway, back to you. When you are ready to move your ship forward, there's a lot of clarity and what we call, you know, calling attention to the elephant in the room that has to happen in order for you to actually be able to move your situation forward. And one of the strongest points, honest to God, is you assuming what we call like extreme, like extreme responsibility for your current station in life. And what I mean by that is, with all the stuff that has happened to you okay in the past in the present current situations all of these things they happen there's nothing that you can do to change it you can look backwards and play monday morning quarterback and all that stuff but it is not going to help you move your ship forward Okay. What helps you move your ship forward is calling attention to the elephant in the room. Seeing stuff for what it actually is right now. Okay, Around here we call this triaging your position. This means looking at your situation through clear, objective eyes to see what it actually is. And then doing something about it. But not pointing a finger at anybody else, because guess what? Every time you point a finger, there's three fingers pointing back at you, which is why we assume extreme responsibility for our current situation. Now, you have made... You know, choices in the past. And at this point in time, our podcast is probably not appropriate for young children who have not hit certain developmental milestones yet. This is totally geared towards, at minimum, young womanhood, and then every woman who is older after that, with the intention of you taking in all this information, doing your work, so that then you can actually teach and mentor the young women who are coming up behind you okay so everybody knows that the responsibility of a leader whether you're the leader of a household you're a leader of a team an organization whatever this is number one you have to lead yourself first but number two leaders create more leaders so it's it's a step up from just being a role model this is intentionally recreating yourself if need be and all of us need to do some level of internal work i firmly believe that so that the people who are coming up behind you are going to be able to walk stronger paths okay so that's kind of where this comes from but back to you the distinction between strong women and women of strength okay let's start out with that little definition what's the purpose of this all this. Okay, so every one of us on this podcast are women who have goals and dreams and aspirations, and there's always two ways to go about getting those things done. Number one, you can be a tyrant. You can stomp in and look to dominate men and be, you know, in control of the situation all the time, always have to be right, and there I will not Contest the fact that there are times in business you have to frickin' pony up. But I would also argue to the contrary, and maybe argue is not even the right word, just present for your consideration to the contrary, that I don't know if you really were to take a step back and look at yourself as a woman if you truly enjoy leading with that type of an energy. I don't know about you. It gets exhausting after a while. I now I've always myself. So maybe I should tell you a little bit about me in case you're unfamiliar. So, I have had several careers, I guess throughout my life. You would call them careers or responsibilities and you know going way back into my childhood my mom started grooming me in a in a very positive way to be a leader um, my mom um, actually divorced my dad when i was very very young and she became at the time single motherhood was not as common of a thing as it is today and so um, in our family Uh, We come from Italian background. No one ever, I think my mom was actually one of the first people to get divorced, if I'm not mistaken. And it was not well received by anybody on any side of the family. So she was walking through that. But then also, anytime you are by yourself, then you also incur the whole aspect of financial responsibility okay so this is going back now today a lot of women work both in and outside the home whether you're remote or whatever and so you know maybe this is you know it seems kind of dated but this is where this stuff came from and my mom started training me and teaching me and molding me and grooming me to be more self-sustained rather than reliant on a man to finance me and it actually worked out to our benefit because then my mom remarried and my stepdad was diagnosed with cancer when I was so my parents divorced when I was two um and then a a few years later um she remarried and my stepdad then was diagnosed with cancer um and this was like the late late 1970s before cancer care was really even a thing it was still very very new and To kind of summarize, you know, what happened was my stepdad, Jim, had liver cancer, and it had spread to different parts of his body over the course of 16 years. So he was in the hospital, out of the hospital, getting chemo, having surgeries. He received last rites six times. And obviously, when you're dealing with a chronic illness like that, he was... um, a foreman for a construction company like road construction and obviously that's very costly for anybody's health care plan to pay for <laughs> cancer care but also um, it's a huge liability and the thing was is that he never really stopped working except for when he was in the hospital he would get chemotherapy He'd go back to work. He'd leave on a lunch break to go get a blood transfusion and then go back to work. I mean, so that was the type of environment that I personally grew up in. Like, There was nothing that stopped your responsibility for providing for your family, for doing work or anything like that. And as a woman, there were times when my mom had to become an income earner. Or the main provider so we always had different businesses my mom was an avon lady and she really like built this huge business where she had and again this was like now early 80s women were starting to really work outside of the home where she was actually she had women in different businesses who were passing out her avon books and ultimately selling for her so that she could become a larger income earner because again we had a whole household to support you know my stepdad was in and out of the hospital and there was all that stuff we also ran a daycare center inside of our house so through our church we actually that was how we acquired our our clientele. And there were times where we had, I think it was seven kids under the age of two, in addition to our own kids um, inside the house. So me, I learned a lot. I learned about sales and marketing and prospecting and business building and finances, not on a digital currency, but with actual cash. Like we had a money pouch. I learned how to make change really, really early. My mom had me cold calling, you know, getting people's Avon orders. But then I also learned about stages of growth and development when it comes to children. We had kids as young as two weeks old and again, I think sometimes we had some kindergartners, but mostly they were in that newborn to toddler phase. So it became really, really good at child care. And then when these kids, they were in our house from 6 a.m. until usually 6 or 6.30 p.m. when their parents would get home from taking the train downtown, they were always there. There were household chores that had to get done. There were so many different things. And then for me, school was kind of like an after thought if you would like meaning i didn't start my schoolwork until after the daycare kids went home until after the chores were done if my you know all i made dinner had kitchen responsibilities and was really running an entire household my mom had to have me help she needed help like she couldn't do all of that stuff by herself so i became actually a very very strong teammate Who she could delegate a task to, and she could actually trust that I would get it done to her standards. All right, so if you've ever worked for an Italian, standards are very, very high. And I'm so glad because it creates just a much stronger character in yourself. like you see things things through to completion. You don't accept half half assery. It's a very it's a very hard way of living, if you will. And there's consequences. There's not this. Oh, I know that you tried so hard, baloney. It's not like that at all. Like there's consequences for not doing it. Like you get trained up into how you're supposed to be very early on in your life, and. you you go to work like that's the way that it is my family's you know immigrated to the United States you know straight from Sicily and other parts of Italy I'm adopted into this family like there's all different components of things that you know happen in your past life but the moral of the story is this every day even though you grow up in my household it was crazy like And looking now as an adult on all that my mom was juggling and handling, all this stuff happened. My stepdad actually died um, shortly after he was 50 years old, and so that put my mom as a widow in her late 40s, and she started doing all this stuff like she this was her normal in her 30s was doing all this stuff and you know she would make halloween costumes for us and like how this woman got all this stuff done you you don't have appreciation for this until you're much older and you're like holy shit how did how did i just swore how did she get all this done but she also ingrained in us the importance of a very very strong value system you know a very well-appointed moral compass and making not just the distinction between right and wrong but standing up and not following the crowd when there was when you knew that there was something like you had to do the right thing you couldn't just go with the flow or cave into peer pressure like my mom said i'm training you i remember her telling me this I I don't want you to be like everybody else. I'm training you to be a leader, and if everybody, you know, her favorite her favorite quote was, "If everybody jumped off a cliff, would you go too?" And <laughs> I'm like, what, is, what do you even mean by this? But sometimes what can happen when you're on that track is, for me, then the next step, you know, I took a fast track into the healthcare profession. It, I've always, always, always loved the human body. It is so fascinating. There's endless amounts of learning. Obviously, I had major experience with this growing up in terms of pediatric care from our in-home daycare facility, cancer care. Um, my stepdad also was became diabetic during the course, so I had all this knowledge. So it was not that big of a challenge for me to then step into the healthcare role. So you know, I worked my way through college. You know, paid my way. My stepdad died um, the summer. I guess the summer break of my junior year in college and things were very bad. Like things were very, very bad at home. Um, my, I, So I lived away from my home. I lived in the city of Chicago. My family lived in the suburbs. So I chose that school on purpose because I knew that I was going to have to be able to come home because my stepdad was getting sicker but I wanted to be far enough away where I could have some sort of a separation between my childhood home, all of the stuff that was going on and have some sort of a college experience. So I I wanted to be able to do that. So I chose a school that was in Chicago and you know what? It was actually like the best school because it wasn't a huge, huge, huge university. It was a private university. Yes, it costed more, totally worth it. Um, and you know, I worked my way through, so I worked full time job. And then as my stepdad was getting sicker, my, my trips home were becoming more frequent. And then that last year as he was getting sicker, um, we're just going to kind of tie this up and then we'll get back to you is, um, I was juggling full time and then I was in nursing clinicals, which I didn't have a car for, so we had, I had a little bit of, um, I think we carpooled to some of these places, but you were at the hospital, you know, ready to start at 6.30 in the morning, and then I worked, you know, I was a waitress and a bartender, so I, you know, would work until whatever, 10 o'clock at night, and you know, I, I had a boyfriend at the time, and then I was still going back home to help out at home, and it was it was a lot meanwhile I had two younger siblings who live with us um, my sister who was in junior high and then my brother who was in high school and my brother um, over the course of time after you know my stepdad didn't work in his construction job anymore they let him go he opened up a business he opened up a landscaping and then snow removal company so he could work and we could have income all year around Well, my brother started working in that business, so they would, you know, in the summertime it was perfect because they would mow lawns, they would do, you know, planting, landscaping, all this stuff. But again, it was manual labor. So as my stepdad was getting sicker, he wasn't able to do all of that work. He would actually be the one who would drive because my brother didn't have his driver's license at the time, although that didn't stop him from stealing my car. (laughs) when he was 14 years old and he made me miss my long scheduled hair appointment yeah (laughs) brothers right anyway carl started taking on like the work force of that landscaping business and we had different people who we worked for us um who we had work for us they didn't they weren't great quality and um they ended up not staying with us for very long they were trying to steal from us and the only reason we learned that was because I also took Spanish in high school and I was able to um, listen in on their conversations <laughs> and um, once we realized that they were not good quality people we let them go and then we kept it a family business um, so Carl as my stepdad got, got sicker was taking on more of that business and then you know i was going back and forth with school and then my sister was in junior high and she didn't there's a a larger age gap between her and then carl and myself so i think she had a different experience all in all but either way stressful nonetheless and she started turning gray her hair started turning gray in junior high and it, it was a it was a terrible time like it was a terrible 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 time And when you see that kind of a thing very young, um, it changes you. And there also is the opportunity that when you hit a major transition point like that in life, something that's very dramatic and traumatic, you can actually get stunted at that current level of growth and development until you decide, again, to move your ship forward. And... You know, looking back over the course of the years, as I you know, went into healthcare, I knew that I wanted to work in emergency um, because I didn't really want to be that emotionally attached to patients who we saw all the time. I liked the high intensity, the high energy. I liked having different problems to solve. And I liked the fact that um, you had a lot more autonomy in the emergency room. So I went down that track. I eventually also then went on to become a flight nurse on a helicopter program. And it was all awesome until healthcare started to change a lot. And it just seemed like everything, everyone was hypocritical. And I remember coming to work one day, I was driving to work, and I saw people who were working in the respiratory therapy departments, okay, so their their specialty is helping people breathe. They were outside the hospital, actually across a sidewalk, or like the inner drive, they were on a a different piece of property smoking. And it, at first it made me laugh cuz I was like, "Oh my god, a respiratory therapist is totally smoking." But then as I was, you know, going to park my car, I thought, "This is terrible. Like, how can you work in respiratory therapy and be a smoker?" So then I started looking at myself and I was like, "Well, wait a second. Where am I falling down here?" And I started thinking about the word healthcare provider and I was like, "Well, can I really call myself a healthcare provider? I'm on like this yo-yo dieting trip. You know, I'm I'm uh, this I'm working myself literally into the ground. Um the people in our places, they're not getting healthier. They may be living longer, but they're actually getting sicker. And shortly thereafter, it really started to to weigh on my mind all of the different places where I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is not good." and I thought you know what we need more work on the prevention side you know maybe no one has just taken this on so maybe I could do this and so as I was progressing through I knew that working as a clinical nurse was not going to be like my end-all be-all I knew that the problem was I didn't know what in the complete hell I would do after I mean at that point in time it would be very easy for me to say I had invested my whole life leading onto that particular track. Okay. Because I had, I consider I had myself a whole entire healthcare career at home before I ever even entered the professional space. So at the point where I was making these major life changes. I had also started myself on a new track and I hope, I'm hoping that this kind of resonates you know with some of the the journeys that we take as women like your season of life always changes where I wasn't happy with how I was maintaining my body I didn't feel good I had migraine headaches all the time I just had like these emotional outbursts. I had emotional eating, you know, my weight was up and then it was down and I had uh, eating disorders. I, you know, was anorexic and there was all kinds of shit. And it was just this big yo-yo back and forth and up and down and all over the place. And everything was a big chaos and a big drama and all these things. And I looked at other people. And I believe that working in the emergency room has helped me learn this skill. And this is why I call it triaging your position, is to be able to look at things through some objective lens and say, all right, here's my current situation. It's big, it's bad, it's ugly, all these things. But over there, I see people who do not have this problem. Therefore, okay, this is logic. If they're not having this problem, then I'm not doing something right. I mean, it's just like that simple i either don't have the right information i'm not doing something correctly like my plan is not like buttertight something is not right here it's on me to seek out information coaching whatever it is and make sure that the person that I'm hiring or the information that I'm going after to consume and help me change my my current position here is legit and based on truth and has a positive track record of success. That's that's not new information. That's being smart about how you're changing your 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 ship. So, I figured, look, I I know in my heart of hearts that this whole how I'm working in healthcare is not meant to be a long-term strategy for myself. In fact, I knew this when I walked into the nursing school to fill out my application. Again, I just didn't know what else I would possibly do with myself. Well, I do love to talk and I do love to teach and coach. That's a large part of, I think, being a person and, you know bringing up the next generation behind you, but also working as a nurse, it's largely like patient education, where I had sought out an opportunity to start teaching in the front of a classroom. And it was little classes for, um, at the time, it was paramedic class and um, different like nursing classes, whether it was, you know, pharmacology, it was specialties, you know, within the human body. So within that area. And then, you know, I always want to push the the needle a little bit farther. And fortunately, one of my, my girlfriends that I went to nursing school with, she worked at a different hospital. There was a different educational position that opened up, and she called me, and she said, you know what, we've got this position, Um, you know, I think that you'd be a great fit for it, why don't you come on over? So I interviewed, and that was actually how I first started stepping into a career as a public speaker, Um, and what I found was I loved it, loved it, to the point, and probably even more than I loved I loved my nursing practice. However, the question was, what was I going to be talking about? And I really do need a lot of practice because it's one thing to have a room full of like 15 people, but it's another thing to have a room full or a stadium full of a banquet hall full, you know, however big, like 400 people or a thousand people or many thousands of people and make that environment feel as warm and inviting and the people each individual person in there to feel as comfortable in that space and with you as they do in their own living room so fast forward on that track that took a different beast I started coaching and training in EMS and I will tell you hands down I tried being soft but it didn't work because in that culture those it was mostly men were used to dealing with strong women as opposed to women of strength and they were used to a woman like flashing back at them they were used to a woman taking charge believe it or not and they had to because those were individuals who left their homes for 24 hours at a time because they were on duty and the woman was at home their wife was at home taking care of shit like oh, I just swore again sorry <laughs> but that was that's the culture so that's one of the changes like that's another intro point is that you can have strategy all day long but as we know in the words of the great Peter Drucker, Peter Drucker that culture each strategy for breakfast so you're always learning well I took it as an opportunity to work on my presentation skills and uh, from the front of the room. And then when they would act up, now imagine if you are a woman and you are standing in front of a group of men who A, don't want to be there. <laughs> B, make it known that they don't want to be there. And C, are both overtired because they have this disrupted you know sleep schedule and then they don't do anything to make it better in their off time they're coming off of a weekend of sports they've been tailgating watching you know games or whatever their diet is crap so they're hypoglycemic you know their blood sugars are all over the place it's imagine what that is like a, gr- a whole room full of them all it takes is one person to act up and what they try to do is they And I think so many times this is like a subconscious thing with them. They will initially like actually try to start a fire, which is ironic because their job is to put the fire out. But that's it's that's just part of who they are. So with me, what happened was I viewed that as a training, a training ground on how to command my emotionality and maintain command of a room not because I was a dictator or because I created a fear factor in them but to actually command myself from a higher vantage point where I never lost my cool and still even though they tried their damnedest to not grow and to not improve (laughs) there was always like You know, little birdies who will tell you, um, you know, things like feet on the street. They'll always come in. They came into my office and they would say, you know, we give you a hard time, but I just want you to know we're listening to you. Like when I would reach like my near breaking point of like, man, my crazy side is about to shine bright like a diamond. One of them would always come to me and say, we're listening to you. And that was all I didn't need affirmation. I didn't need like compliments. I didn't I didn't need that. I was there in the role of the educator because my job was to serve the community through them. So I have to develop the leaders in this room because they have to go out there and now they're going to be able to touch more people in the community than I can touch as an individual practitioner. Do you see what I'm saying? And it's about recognizing your position as a leader. But you have to first and foremost lead yourself first. And you're, you're always a constant work in progress. And that's why I say like you get to choose every single day. If you are going to be a strong woman, okay, the alpha woman who is loud, who is brash, brassy, brazen, always has to be right has to have everything done her way or if you're going to be a woman of strength. Okay, there is a distinction there. A woman of strength is first and foremost, she's submissive to God. And when you understand God's call on your life, now I make no qualms about the fact that I am a Christian woman and our teachings within this academy, the women of strength, you know, all of our transformation gold, everything is based on Christian principle. That's what this is. So I don't mean that as a deterrent, if that's not on your radar. The purpose of this is to share with you my value system. Okay. Even if, you know what I would say, even if you don't necessarily believe in God, I would, from an intellectual perspective, invite you to take application courses in biblical principle and this is this is what i'm saying or the reason why i suggest this is because the more i learn about this you know i used to think this is what i thought never in my life did i ever go on a journey where i wanted to live by the bible like nothing started that way what actually happened was as i was changing my course in my career how i would actually earn income I also started investing in health and nutrition, first education and then coaching and ultimately, I started competing in a division of bodybuilding called figure and you know I competed both on the local and the national level and then um, as I was looking at the girls who were at the pro level at the top of our our industry um, one of the top com um, Uh, competitions is the Olympia. So like Mr. Olympia, but they have divisions for bikini and figure and physique where I was looking at those girls. What are they doing? And this was when social media was just starting to come into the light. And these girls were posting different things about the Bible. And I thought to myself, literally from a very objective and logical standpoint, all these girls have something in common. And that is they have the role of the Bible in their life. I wonder, and I looked at them, I something looked different in their eyes. How they showed up on stage was way, like they just were so much brighter than the girls who didn't that it really made me think like, I bet you I need to be doing that. But I honestly had no idea where to begin because even though i went to a catholic school growing up there wasn't a whole lot of teaching of application into like today's life like how do you read the bible and make it apply to today's life it just seemed like it was very lofty there was a lot of vocabulary in there which didn't really make sense and to be quite honest with you it wasn't like i had dedicated bible study growing up i already shared with you like life we were in survival mode we didn't have a lot of money you know obviously we did not have very good financial habits and you know literacy growing up But between having all these different businesses at home, stepdad is in and out of the hospital, we just had all this different stuff, you can't exactly absorb information when you're in survival mode. So I will give, you know, a huge extension of grace is that I I never really even thought about pursuing biblical study. How does it apply to becoming a woman of strength? I didn't even think about becoming a woman of strength. It wasn't until I started following these girls who were very successful in bodybuilding specifically figure, and what they were doing that it started to make me question and also think, all right, I am blind to this whole other area over here. Where am I going to begin my journey? And really, the end point was to become better in bodybuilding. <laughs> well, fast forward, um, you know, I was really privy to having this this. Well, I don't know if you want to call it fate. I don't think that anything is fate. I truly now know that when God pulls your ticket, whatever that means, like it's your time. And I was driving home one night. I know I'm kind of bopping around here, but this is building into what what your walk and what your journey towards deciding the type of woman that you want to become is like it's never just a straight staircase it's never just like okay step one I'm going to do this step one it's gonna do this no people come into your life situations come into your life and I know now that God will always teach you in the capacity that you learn best now sometimes how he gets your attention that's the other component, whether you are sensitive enough to respond to his gentle tappings on the shoulder, or if you have to wait until things get to a critical point where he has no other choice than to literally lop you off at the knees and wait until you come to your senses to help you back up again, okay? Okay. Raise your hand if you're a strong-willed individual just like me, okay? Well, anyway, so I'm driving home one night And I lived in this area. I'm going to get back to, you know, this distinction between being a a strong woman and a woman of strength. All right. And how this helps you during your transition points in life, whether it's career, it's your health and fitness, it's your finances, it's your relationships. It's, you know, coming back after a major, you know, breakdown or or defeat, however this is for you. So I'm driving home and i lived uh, my house was in this subdivision that was built in a community of farmlands or farms and you had to pass through these different farms in order to get to our subdivision so i remember this one night i was (laughs) turning left and there was this farm before this long long road this country road it was all cornfields and like traditional farmhouses and there was like livestock there were chickens i remember one time um i had just moved home from Uh, New York while my home was being built and I discovered this road that became my frequent you know, road of passage. There were chickens at this mailbox one day and they were literally out there pecking at the ground and I came home and I felt like I was, um, what was her name? Eva Gabor, I think was her name from Green Acres. It's like a a sitcom show from a a long time ago and um, I was like, I can't live here I can't can't live here. It was crazy. It was so crazy. Anyway, it turned out to be a beautiful home. Loved my time there. Largely responsible for helping me with, you know, times of high pressure and just insanity. Anyway, I was driving home. It was like 930 at night. It was dark. I was taking this left-hand turn onto this country road and I had the radio on. And I remember pushing the scan seek or scan button you know it it takes you from radio station to radio station so you can find what you want to listen to and it landed on this one station and as I was turning left there was a voice that you know was a, a radio program that actually came on and it was the voice of an older gentleman Uh, not old, like older, mature gentleman, he had a voice that was very distinctive, kind of like a James Earl Jones voice, like that, like really deep bass, and this is how it started. It said, the only reason, or he said, the only reason you don't have what you want is either because you're not ready or it's not ready. Now that may not sound like, I don't know, too incredible to you but I'm telling you I was at a major transition point where I was really like going out of my mind as I wanted to leave the field of nursing I didn't know how I was going to be able to support myself I wanted nothing more than to have a family of my own and it seemed like the more I was improving myself I don't know if this was, you know, the worst the dating pool was getting at the same time. Like, it just seemed like the caliber of man was going down. Um, I I just, and I didn't know I was in it. So I didn't know what was happening. And so what, as it seemed like I wasn't able to get along with a lot of the men. I was like, well, there must be something wrong with me. I must have to, you know, get better somehow. So then I would take on something else to improve myself. And it was health and nutrition and making sure that my body looked good. And, you know, I was in a good mood and, and I, all this stuff. And it was so crazy. And it was just, it's part of the growing process. Sometimes you are producing your way out of particular (laughs) environments, but it was terrible because then I was going to family parties or weddings or whatever, and I was the only woman who has either never been married, doesn't have any children. I was, you know, thinking, like, it would take, after a while, I mean, I have no problem traveling by myself or going to the movies or anything, you know, by myself, but it gets to be the point where, You could have all this wonderful stuff happening inside of your life and the very first thing that people will come and attack you for is if you're single and now they just don't know what to do with you. And eventually, it wasn't just the conversations about, are you, I made it very clear, I'm not talking about my, per, my private life, and it did not go over well. Everyone wants to know, is she dating, is she swinging from the chandeliers? And finally, I remember I went to this one wedding, and one of my cousins, I'm going to say, cornered me, and said, he looked at me, and he goes, are you? And I knew exactly what he meant. He was asking whether or not I was a lesbian. And I was speechless. I thought of all the places, like, it's bad enough I don't have anyone to dance with. Okay? During fast songs or slow songs, it's bad enough when we're at the table, I don't have anyone to talk to because everybody else is paired up and I'm by myself. And I'm having to be here And put on this happy face And try to be involved In the conversation But nobody wants To have anything To do with me Plus I'm competing And my body Like you can't hide A physique So now all the women Are worried That their that husbands I'm going to steal Their husbands It was a terrible situation Like it was It was never good And now I have My family questioning That because I don't Have a man with me I'm a—I'm a lesbian And that was the time when I heard this voice on the radio, like the only reason you don't have what you want is either because you're not ready or it's not ready. And I was like, whoa. And then he said, so get ready. And as it turned out, he was or is a pastor Um, actually from the city of Chicago. He's in one of the the parishes here in Chicago. And the radio station is Moody Bible Institute, which is broadcast from Chicago. And every day they have like 30-minute shows, if you would, on on this radio station. And that was, for me, the next step into understanding biblical study. And so that gentleman, his name is Pastor Ford. And... Um, Pastor James Ford, actually, and he is largely responsible, or I will say he is responsible for, like, God's latch in me, and he, Pastor Ford is able to break stuff down. He's so funny. He's super, super, super funny. He brings a lot of today's culture into the mix and he was able for me to break down not that biblical study is difficult but what is all of the meaning in these different passages how does it apply to today but also helped me to learn that distinction between being a strong woman and a woman of strength and ultimately it's it is leading a god-honoring life or at bare minimum leading a life that your moral compass is intact and your value system is well established and it doesn't waver depending on any you know situation that you're in what has happened to you in the past like it's it's to help you grow and you know clean up some of the junk that's inside of your heart and you know, get you on a straight path for course correction. So when I invite you to say, you know what? I'll consider something in Bible. It's not for becoming biblical or holy. Like you start to understand, wow, the Bible is really a very, it's like God's instruction manual for clean living. And if you look no further than the 10 commandments of honor your mother and father, thou shall not steal, thou shall not kill. Like it's very, very, very clean living. And when you start to shave off some of the peer pressure of today and you honor that walk, not that it's going to be all, you know, roses and, you know, golden paved pathways. It's definitely not. What it does is it allows you again No matter what environment you're in, when the pressure is high, whether you're in front of a room of individuals who are trying to make your life a living hell, is being able to demonstrate grace under pressure, or you work in sales, or you work in some element of customer service where people literally call you to complain and they have a problem. Like, you can get beat up so easily, or if you're building a new business, or if you are at a point now where you have either financial abundance or a little bit of time abundance, now you have, you know, your head is above the water and now you're taking the lay of the land and you are taking on something new and you're, you're changing the health and fitness lifestyle of your family, whatever this is. Or you're looking to be able to look through the lens of clarity and see things for how it is and be able to be strong in your convictions and beliefs, knowing that they're based on truth. Okay, that's the other thing. Um, That's part of being a woman of strength and saying no you know what you're headed down the wrong path or my intuition is ringing very very high and even though it may not be what everyone wants me to do or I'm feeling a lot of pressure from other people to do this or to do that I'm still able to stand strong and hold the line does that make sense like, there's ways to go about doing this, and also in a fashion that develops the people who are coming behind you to take on that same personality or that same, maybe not personality, but that's to develop their own personal culture is really what it is. Because everyone has their own personalities. That's what makes us so awesome it makes life so fun is you have friends who are hilarious you have friends who are just really classy you have friends who are calm you have friends who are just a you know a wealth pool of knowledge they're analytical you know however you're made you're made with that uniqueness but it's what is that personal culture that you have something that's true something that is unwavering and is going to be able to stand the test of time even when the outside world is in complete chaos, and things are changing on such a fast pace that it's you can it's real easy to get your mind shook, but you have to have some sort of firm grounding from which you grow. And then obviously you're growing your family or your team or your organization or, you know, you're contributing towards your community or, or whatever. Does that make sense? So that's a little bit, a little bit, you know, an hour long of a podcast on that distinction between, an early distinction between being a strong woman versus a woman of strength. A woman of strength doesn't waver when her seasons are changing, okay? Because you have the bedrock of of understanding. You know, my moral compass is my, and when I say my, I mean you know you. This is you speaking to yourself. My my moral compass is well, it's well calibrated. I have a very clear and intentionally developed value system. The rules of respect the codes of conduct that we operate in our household. And again, sometimes a lot of people are here on a professional realm, you know, our organization. This is very clear, okay? When you do that internal work and you really get to the root of what your beliefs are, what your practices are, where you're steering, driving your family, or if you're in you're married now you're in partnership with your husband you know where are you guys steering this where are you taking your family to the next level okay so this is all like this all feeds into all aspects of life but i would challenge you and invite you to really make that intentional distinction and decision As to whether you want to become a strong woman or a woman of strength. Huh. Food for thought. Thank you for joining. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.